Hello, I'm Steve Evans. Welcome to another edition of Talk of the Times, the Canberra Times conversational podcast. My usual comrade in conversation, Alex Crowe, is away on holiday, but we are pressing on in a regal manner, in a royal manner. We're looking today at The Crown, that series which is captivating audiences here in Australia, in Britain certainly, and probably in the US, about the royal family. And I've got with me two of our most regal royal watchers, Lucy Bladen and Megan Doherty. First of all, Megan, just describe the thing. Well, I guess The Crown's a bit of a cultural phenomenon. It's in its fourth series. Um, This period concentrates, I think it's from 1977 to 1990, and it's really about the relationship between the Queen and Maggie Thatcher, Prime Minister of Britain, and also the relationship between Charles and Diana, which, of course, is one of the 20th century's most... probably the greatest fairy tale which we thought was the greatest fairy tale story, love story of, of the time. But then it goes behind the scenes, supposedly, and shows the disintegration of the relationship, or even if there was a relationship at the beginning, the role of Camilla in the relationship. And, yeah, of course, it's sparked a lot of controversy about what's right and what's wrong and what, how much of it is fiction. Josh O'Connor, who plays Prince Charles in the series, has sort of said... He said, um, what the Crown survives on is the understanding that the audience have the intelligence to understand that it is fiction. But then Diana's brother, Earl Spencer, has come out and he has said things like, well, when I talk to Americans and they've watched The Crown, they think they've just received a history lesson. So there is this um, problem, I guess, that people regard it as true to life, a, a verbatim account of history when it's obviously not. We'll come back to that. Lucy, what about the episode that was set in Australia? Describe that. Yeah, so um, episode six, Australia played a leading role. The episode was titled Terra Nullius and it followed the 1983 royal tour of Princess Diana and Prince Charles, so just after William was born. And how they've set the episode, they've set the episode, Bob Hawke plays a, plays a leading role in it as well, um, played by Richard Roxburgh. The episode starts off with an interview with Bob Hawke where he expresses his desire for Australia to become a republic. And the whole episode takes this republic theme and it's set amid this growing wave of republicanism in Australia, um, people wanting it to be a republic, and it kind of portrays Prince Charles and Princess Diana as saving the monarchy in Australia, which um, has been titled as absolute fiction by ANU historian Professor Frank Bongiorno. He gave it a 5 out of 100 for accuracy. It's a bit like Shakespeare, though, isn't it? Shakespeare wrote about kings. It's a play, it's fiction but it's based on reality. Indeed. And I mean, I think, you know, obviously the crown has to be fictionalised because the royals are notoriously private and all those stuff, all those things that happen behind closed doors, you can't exactly base that on reality. But I don't know why they decided to go with this growing wave of republicanism in 1983 when it wasn't exactly happening. As Professor Bongiorno said, in 1983, we'd just come out of recession. There was the Ash Wednesday bushfires. There were far more important things on the Australian agenda at that point of time. The um, depiction of Bob Hawke was particularly interesting. 
the episode starts off with Bob Hawke being interviewed by Four Corners and in it he kind of expresses his desire for Australia to become a republic and says something along the lines of you wouldn't put a pig in charge of a cattle station even if it does look good in pearls. That is you know obviously a reference to the Queen but Bob Hawke didn't actually say that. While he did express his desire for for Australia to become a republic, far more diplomatic about it, and Four Corners actually busted the myth of what happened in that real interview. So there's a bit of a, can we say, racist stereotype going on of Australians, overly blunt, brutish, Mm. male, when actually you didn't need that. Absolutely. Like, it's a far caricature of Australia, like the way they kind of portrayed Bob Hawke. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, just on the Australian episode, there is a sort of Canberra connection in that the, the property near Albury, where they, that was their hideaway, their bolt hole, during the tour where Prince William as a baby stayed there while near Albury, and it was a property owned by Gordon Darling, who is well known in Canberra as the founding patron of the National Portrait Gallery. And his daughter, Claire Cannon, still lives on the same property. And I spoke to her yesterday and she said that no member of the royal family comes out looking good from it. And that in her case, their property, the scenes for that um, episode were actually filmed in Spain against a very degraded landscape. And she was particularly upset that her property, her passion, was being portrayed as something that had been literally flogged, they were her words, when they've really um, focused on environmental concerns for a very long time. But but she also put me on to an English writer called Hugh Vickers, who's actually written a piece called The Crown Dissected, and he goes through every episode of The Crown across four episodes and talks about what he believes is true and what he believes is not true. And um, he did say, I do not approve of The Crown because it depicts real people in situations which are partly true and partly false. But unfortunately, most viewers take it all as gospel truth. And he did refer to Bob Hawke, and he said that um, Bob Hawke actually had a very warm relationship with the Queen. They had a a shared um, interest in racing, and he was always very respectful of her. And, you know, to portray him as some sort I mean, he, he, he might have been a bit boorish at times, but I don't think he had a disrespect for the Queen to that level at all. I think he actually respected her and her service. But there is uh, his style. Peter Morgan's style is to write drama. If you look at the film The Queen, he clearly invent, invented scenes. But there is a greater truth. For example, it was true that Tony Blair advised in quotes, advised the royal family, look, you're not doing enough. We're going to sort this out. And they came up, the Labour government came up, or Blair and Mr Mandelson came up with the phrase, the people's princess. So even though the details are false, the truth, the bigger truth remains, no? Yeah, I agree to a certain extent. I I, I think, again, it's not a... It's not a verbatim account of history, but I think it does go to maybe the essence of personalities. And, you know, for example, look at Dennis Thatcher. He's such a side player in history, but we get to see him, whether that's true or not, but he's he's humorous and he's warm and just another perception of a character that I never really took any notice of before, but it's really shown him another side of him but yeah in the end it's entertainment we're all watching it we're watching it for a reason because it's captivating I think in our own minds if you you know that it's not all real but you're getting a sense of what did happen like ultimately it's based on a true story so you know based on a true story doesn't mean that it's 100% true it means that elements of it are true and 
elements of it are not true. Tory MP said that the Crown should um, have a disclaimer that it's fiction. I don't necessarily agree with that because it is based on true events. It's up to the you know the viewer to determine that, and it is it is entertainment at the at the end of the day. And you're both addicts. Yes, great show, <laughs> love it. <laughs> Yep, I am a firm fan of the royal family. (laughs) I was 10 when um, Diana and Charles were married and I remember sitting up very late at night with my mother to watch it and, you know, ever since then I've just been fascinated by them. I've done school projects on Diana when I was at school. Then you're sort of immersed in the, the fairy tale of it all and, of course, we learn later what did happen, the disintegration of the family. But ultimately, I think, who would want to be in the royal family? Their whole lives are dissected to the nth degree they they have to turn the other cheek while every other person in the world can have an opinion on them they can't really respond and I take for example their value like Catherine the other day the wife of Prince William she made a very short video but a very quite powerful video about the importance of the early years and childhood and how this could be for the betterment of society that's given in a very non-political way, a non-partisan way that people can understand. And I think that's where Harry and Meghan have shot themselves in the foot. I think Meghan particularly is a very political figure. So whatever they say is going to alienate half the audience. I just think the royal family as something above, something non-partisan, something that's stable and continuous, you know, can be a powerful force for good in the society as much as I know everyone hates how much they cost. So... Well, we know your views, don't we? <laughs> if you were watching and you're, uh, you've got kind of Republican tendencies, but also you say, if it ain't broke, why fix it? You know, you don't quite know. Which way do you think this series would sway you? I guess if you were looking at it coming in cold, you'd probably think, why are we attached to this mad family? Why, why can't we stand alone and be our own um, independent country? But I do subscribe to the if it ain't broke, don't fix it theory where I am afraid of um, the unknown. If we do change, what happens? What steps in? What do we replace it with? We know your views. Yes, I oh know. Sorry. I'll shut up now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't shut up. But what do you think the effect might be on the debate if a lot of Australians are watching it and a lot of Australians are watching it? We're in a year of COVID and... A lot of other things that are, you know, taking our attention. I don't think the Republic's high on anyone's agenda. I think maybe we're using, we're watching the Crown for escapism, not to find out what, whether we're going to become a Republic or not. As um, Professor Bajorno said, he said um, in 1983, Australia was coming out of a recession. It um, was coming out of devastating bushfires. Very similar today. I don't think republicanism is high on the agenda today. I watch the Crown as somebody who does believe Australia should be a Republic, but it's not at the forefront of my mind when I'm watching it I'm not thinking oh this is going to sway me either way I I think it's entertainment and as Megan said escapism and that's why I watch it and I think it's fun to to watch Thank you both very much indeed Arise Lady Lucy Bladen and Lady (laughs) Megan Doherty Thank you both very much indeed Thanks for listening to Talk of the Times the Canberra Times conversational chatty podcast